Misha here. If you enjoy our episodes on career pathways in healthcare or the STEM field at large, then I have the perfect podcast recommendation for you, Raising Health. Previously called BioEats World, Raising Health comes from leading venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz, the same team behind the acclaimed A16Z podcast. Each episode, Raising Health dives deep into the heart of healthcare, biotech, and AI with venture capital investors and A16Z general partners. Along the way, they explore the real challenges and opportunities in health and biotech entrepreneurship. So whether you're interested in building a new digital healthcare company or your company is advancing a new novel medicine, Raising Health sheds light on some of the opportunities and obstacles along the founder's journey. Not to mention, you'll hear raw insights, actionable advice from notable guests like Omada CEO and co-founder Sean Duffy, an AI expert and in situ CEO Daphne Kohler. Don't miss out. Follow Raising Health on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and tell them I sent you. A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it, out. it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true stories of how science has affected people's lives. I'm excited. This week, we just passed 1 million downloads of our podcast. Thank you all so much for listening and for making this a great time. Uh, To celebrate that, we're doing a few things. First, we send this podcast out every week to all of you, and we don't really know who you are. People will say to us, like, who listens to your podcast? Are they scientists? Not scientists? And we don't know. And we'll do things and we'll think, We wonder if people will like this, and we don't know. So we're doing a survey, so you can tell us a bit about you, as well as the things you like and don't like, and things that we can do better. To find it, you can go to our homepage, storycollider.org, which, second thing, has just been redesigned. So if you go there now, you can see what the events and storytellers look like, listen to the podcast from the homepage, and see all of the upcoming events currently August 27th in Boston and September 4th in New York. And while you're there, uh, there's about five people who give parts of their time to producing the show and the podcast, and we've each written a bit about what it's like working on the show. So you can also see those there linked from the homepage. Finally, and apologies for the long intro, finally, we were thinking about what the right story to run at a milestone like this is, and we realized something. We have never run the very first story told at the very first Story Collider. There's a reason for that. Uh, The story's great, but at the time, we didn't know that this would be a thing. We didn't know that there'd be a podcast. We didn't know there'd even be a second event. Uh, We did have the foresight to record the event. We did not, however, have the skill to record it well. So, apologies for the bad sound quality, the very bad sound quality, uh, but this is... A very fun story, the first one ever told. We hope you will like it. So, this week's story is from Darcy Burke. The story was recorded in May 2010 at the Creek and the Cave in Long Island City, Queens. The theme of the night was bonding.
Hey guys. So, uh, my name is Darcy Burke, and I'm obsessed with mountain lions. And I don't mean obsessed the way that some people are obsessed with Pinkberry <laughs> or something like that. I mean obsessed in the way that I alienate my circle of friends and family. <laughs> and as with like all good things that are weird about me, I can uh, trace this back and blame it on my mother. Because she was the one who gave me the book. And the book, which is known to the people who have gotten to know me within the last year of my life, is the Mountain Lion book. And the actual title of it is The Beast in the Garden, and it's by this guy named, uh, named David Barron. And it's basically a case study um, of Boulder, Colorado, and overall the reappearance of the mountain lion in the American West, and what that means for like human-mountain lion relations. Um, and uh, this is a great book. I can't emphasize that enough. This is the kind of book that, uh, like, I think of certain things I learn or certain things that teach me as, like, a pebble. Like, and there, they drop in, and from them comes this, like, ripple effect. And you learn this one thing, and then there's these concentric circles around it of other things you learn, but only because you learned that one thing. Um, and you wouldn't have necessarily come across these, like, circles of knowledge if you hadn't had that initiating event. And so for me, the Mountain Lion book is that. It's how I know about the presidency of Theodore Roosevelt, and it's how I, and it's, and it's how I reevaluated Edward Abbey's you know, views on conservation. And it's how I know about the coyote packs that live in Central Park. And I wish I could say that this is the first incident of me becoming obsessed with something, but it's not because when I was in middle school, I got really obsessed with Robin Hood, and because of that, I took up archery. <laughs> and then when I was right out of college, I watched, watched all of the West Wing from beginning to end, and that resulted in a six-month congressional internship. <laughs> and it's not even the first run-in with like animals, because I have... This one summer I spent when I was in middle school where I camped out every night in a lawn chair reading Jane Austen trying to see the bears that would attack our trash every night. <laughs> and I also, this is really super embarrassing, but I also have this uh, page in my notebook where I write down helpful animal imagery. Uh, the, the best of these is um, about ducks, see, because ducks have this thing uh, in their feathers, they have this oil that allows them to wick off moisture. And I always think of this when something hurtful happens. I'm like, oh, think of the ducks, think of the ducks. <laughs> like, the ducks wouldn't let that get to them, the ducks would just wick that off. <laughs> so, all of these things have happened before, but nothing has been quite on the scale of the mountain lion obsession. And the part of how you know this is immediately after reading this book, I just talked about mountain lions all the time. And I would just look for reasons to like bring them up. And it would be to the point where people would ask me the standard question, like, oh, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm great. You want to talk about mountain lions? <laughs> Which they never do, but I would always ignore it and like keep going and talk some more about mountain lions because, all right, let's get real here, all right? Mountain lions are fucking awesome, okay? Mountain lions are like the serial killers of the animal world, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. Like, mountain lions, all right, okay, if you get attacked by a mountain lion, 
first of all, he's been stalking you for at least two hours. They don't just attack willy-nilly. Like, they follow you. And if you're walking along a path that you take on a regular basis, like, say, a jogging trail in Southern California, he's been walking you, watching you possibly, like, two weeks prior. That's how much effort they put into it. And when a mountain lion attacks you, he attacks you like a cat would. He breaks your neck from behind. And then he will flip you over, shave off the like hair on your belly, or like remove the clothes, and then slit you open with a single claw. Which they have found mountain lion kills that they've had to abandon before they could eat it, and they can't tell sometimes whether it's like a scalpel or a mountain lion that killed you. And then, and then they're gonna go in and they're gonna eat your internal organs because that's the most nutritious part first. And then they're gonna stuff you full of like leaves and twigs and stuff to preserve the body, drag it back to their like little lair and save you and feast off of you for like the rest of the month. <laughs> and they're super adaptable. Like mountain lions as we know them are not the mountain lions we heard of of yore, like in Teddy Roosevelt's presidency. <laughs> mountain lions as now are adapting, they are changing and they are switching their hunting patterns. They are coming into our towns and cities, and they are attacking people, but only because the people are there. They're just switching. They're super adaptable. And so, for me, for some reason, I am identifying really strongly with a mountain lion, the serial killer of the animal world. <laughs> Because it's better for me at this point in my life to think of myself as like a lone wild cat who's calculating and only a little bit sociopathic, as opposed to being just yet another like lonely 20-something trying to make it in New York City. <laughs> so I love mountain lions, and I talk about mountain lions, and the way I talk about them is the way that somebody who has a really big crush on somebody talks about them, they work every like conversation back to it. So like someone would be like, hey, I like margaritas, I'm like, yeah, you know who else likes margaritas? Mountain lions, except they probably don't drink them, but they like deer, and we should be worried about the population of deer in our urban centers, because that's why we're seeing more of them, because that's their food source. <laughs> and I've signed up for a newsletter called Cougar Clippings. <laughs> And I have a folder in my Gmail account entitled Mountain Lions, and that's where all of those live. And I've also, I just, I try and spread the world this word as much as possible. And I've made almost every member of my immediate family read the Mountain Lion book. And we're moving on to people beyond my immediate circle. And I also have a Twitter account, which I only post Mountain Lion facts on. <laughs> where I was like, this has gone too far. But there is my favorite moment, which is an example of it going too far, which is towards the end of the summer, I'm in a bar, and I'm talking to a relatively attractive guy, and we're really hitting it off. And for some reason, I have hoodwinked him into thinking that I am like a socially normal person, and he's actually interested in me. And for some reason, I don't know what it is, I decided that this point in the conversation is the point when I should say, hey, you want to see something cool? Reach into my bag and pull out the photograph I have of a fresh kill with a mountain lion feasting on it. <laughs> kill in the bar, but I'm the person who people send the picture of the fresh kill. <laughs> and 
happened before, because when I was obsessed with Robin Hood, I took up archery, and I was photographed for our hometown newspaper wearing a horrible plaid, like, overshirt with a glow-in-the-dark kiss t-shirt on, like, shooting a target, and I was teased for an entire year over that. And when I was obsessed with the West Wing, I went and did that congressional internship, and the one time I met the congressman, he asked me why I was doing the internship, and I replied, oh, I don't know, I'm just here for the letterhead, which in retrospect was like a super West Wing thing to say, but they just thought it was disrespectful to the congressional representative for the third district of Colorado. And I'm here again because I just pulled out a picture of a mountain lion eating a deer in a bar when a guy was trying to pick me up. And I wish I could say that I've learned my lesson and that I, that moment of self-actualization and knowledge has changed everything for me. But the truth is that I just finished a book about rats. <laughs> and the 34th Street Station has some really good ones, guys. Thank you. That was Darcy Burke. Darcy is a comedian and writer in New York City. She is the host of The Glockdown for The Glock, The Gorgeous Ladies of Comedy. You can find that at theglock.com. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org, where we have archives of the podcast and upcoming events. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, Aaron Barker, and Ari Daniel. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to The Creek and the Cave for hosting the show, and to a grizzly bear for being the scariest thing I've ever seen in the woods. And actually, that was still, still pretty scary. And finally, thank you all so much for listening. Here's to the next million, the next 10 million, billion, whatever. Thank you. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.